Well, that was a fun month on the Owls Americast. Jeffield wins the opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and normal service has resumed. We, uh, we were fools. We thought this would be easy. We forgot what team we were rooting for. Fortunately, we have not forgotten our drinks. And tonight I am drinking a gumball head from Three Floyds Beer. It is a pale wheat ale. I just got Three Floyds in the area. I haven't been in the area, uh, like in Connecticut, or widely available particularly, and I just spilled some all over my mouse pad as I was trying to read the label. So we're off to a good start. Uh, we didn't even make it into the podcast as long as Wednesday did before a uh, a bit of a spill. So it is a where were they? It's a pale weed ale. It's quite nice. Uh, it's got a little funk to it, which I enjoy. Uh, and it says on the side of the can, just it it's not normal. Uh, that applies to this podcast. It does not apply to Wednesday's most recent performance. It was very normal. We have our normal co-host as well. First in New Jersey, it's Patty A. Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Hi, Jeff. I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm drinking uh, a Old Fashioned with uh, Basil Hayden's. I switched to my bourbon this week. Um, and I've heard a lot of Basil. Basil it's Basil Hayden's, Patty. <laughs> well, I'm English. I've like Basil Hayden's. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I know what? I tried it. I tried it neat, and it was a little bit of a bitter aftertaste to it, which wasn't too pleasant. Wasn't too nice about. It. Then I put. A it's a little of, underproof. It is a good cocktail mixer, though. Yes, so I put a little bit of simple syrup in there and some uh, some uh, bitters, and it's a nice old fashioned. But neat is a little bit too harsh for me. Also, a line. Always neat, never too harsh. It's Justin Desorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Jeff, I I love the attempt, but that, I think that. It's like the opposite description of me. I am never neat and always harsh. Well, James was supposed That's to be on the, the podcast. It would have been a better introduction. Uh, that, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I love it. Uh, so uh, to get things going tonight, I had, speaking of neat, some uh, Montelobos uh, Mezcal. I'm back on a Mezcal kick. That's that's how that goes. But I'm, I'm settling things down a little bit with Barnstable Brewing Company's Blueberry Ale. I'm desperately fighting against... Uh, the waning of summer even though uh my school year job has started back up i'm still uh trying to pretend that it's it's beautiful summer and a, a light crisp blueberry ale is a great way to pretend uh, we had a thunderstorm watch all afternoon so and it was humid so not that far off i suppose it is still humid it's disgusting up here i do have some oktoberfest in the fridge but i was not i was not feeling it i'm feeling this weed ale I'm also feeling another episode of this podcast in which we will review the Plymouth Argyle game, cover the Wednesday news, chat with another DC owl, Liam Wolf, and preview the upcoming Shrewsbury Town match. But we'll start with the Plymouth review. Uh, adjusted. Look, we we struggled. They lost. They lost three 0 They conceded a bad goal early. They got played off the pitch. So our thumbs up may be a little uh, a little different than this week, but you do you did manage to find a Sheffield Wednesday person to praise here. Yes, I'd like to praise the actions of ex Sheffield Wednesday striker Ryan Lowe, who uh, made me look really bad with my preview uh, before the game when uh, I had referenced some interviews he had made about not being as aggressive as uh, his team had been in the past. 
and him saying they were planning on sitting back and doing that. Well, they they did exactly what they needed to do, and they came right out after us, and it showed. And, and to me, the, the thumbs up is Ryan Lowe's performance, and the thumb down is Darren Moore's tactical approach um, to this game and his inability to change things up. Uh, so what, what had happened is that it, we've all seen all year that we've been very successful getting our fullbacks up high into an attacking position, which allows our wings, wing backs to come into the middle. So now we've got numbers in the middle for exchanges and we got crosses from the outside. But Plymouth was so aggressive and their wing backs played so high up, it forced and pinned our fullbacks back. So when our wingers were actually available, uh, they couldn't come too far inside and they were getting isolated on the outside. So uh, Lowe's approach against the the four two three one was perfect. They played. I mean, my my first uh, some of my first notes are Plymouth looking lively, not afraid. They're playing a home game, and they, they that's what they did. They came right after us. They were aggressive. Um, you know, they their midfield three clogged the middle, um, really slowed things down. Their wing backs pinned us back. Their their forwards kept us busy. Uh, their back three was solid. Uh, it was a great, great performance from the Plymouth side that made us look really ordinary. And and to sort of just quickly counter to the thumbs down and Darren Moore, uh, we walked out in a, our typical 4-2-3-1. Um, and I think we'll talk a little more about the personnel that was in that midfield and, and how that was affected during this game. But we made almost no adjustments um a, a four two three one can beat the three five two with quick passes or by uh stretching the field east west uh vertically uh or horizontally i guess you would call it and and really you know going side to side and we made none of those adjustments we tried to play the ball on the ground through their pressure and you know, uh, the midfielders that we had and the wingers that we had have not played together long enough to make that happen, to have the quick, crisp passing that we needed to beat their press. And therefore, we were overrun. Uh, you know, that first goal changed everything. But, you know, we, we really didn't have a chance. And, uh, you know, that was a little disappointing to see. Yeah, for me, there's there's two ways... I mean, there's probably more than two ways, but the, I think if there's two ways to beat a press, you can beat a press with quick passing, you know, good off the ball movement and just like finding space like to release the, the valve. The other way you can do it is like if you beat the guy that's pressing you all of, and run direct, all of a sudden it cra- the cracks start to form. And they didn't really have anyone in the midfield that was just going to take the ball and run. And I think not having a dinner in in there that someone would play a little more direct like wing bannon they, they bring i think useful skills to the to the midfield three but you know buyers too but i don't know he's more of a box-to-box guy but they never really were able to be that release valve for the either through their passing or through just like like Bannon would do his little step overs and his little Cruyff turns, but he never actually went anywhere with the ball. So it didn't actually create a situation where the defense suddenly had to react and, you know, and pull back a little bit. So you had a situation where they could just keep the pressure on. And and that's right. The the other way is just 
to lump it long, right? To to make that change to get it just bypass their midfield, and yeah. we didn't. We tried to yeah, play through their play midfield, the and and that we weren't like, able to play through their midfield. Yeah, and the wing back, the fullbacks were pushing up, which left the you know the center back pair a little looks like Hutch looked very exposed at various times during this game, and it just, yeah, it just it never came off. And like, look, the early goal was a problem, but it's something you can come back from. And that they never really looked or really played with any urgency. Yeah, we weren't coming back on that day. Sorry, Daddy. No, no, we're trying with two cutes. Like I said, with um, we've got a very good passing football inside, but when someone's uh, pressing us as well as Plymouth did that entire game, uh, like I said, they tired probably in the last twenty minutes. So, um, but when you're pressing us as well as they did, and we've given other teams in the league now a blueprint on how to beat us. That's what this this is the problem we have now is that people know how to overwhelm that midfield, uh, especially when there's no Adoniran or Luongo, uh, and stop us play football. We can play football really well, and we showed that in the second half. Uh, We've got some nice interplay between midfield and and the forward line. Um, We haven't got much as far as clinical finishing yet, but I think it's it's still a work in progress, as Darren Moore admits. Um, I can go into my little bit of a a thumbs up um, uh, after that, because I think it it does look well. I think there's one person that uh, I thought had a good game on Saturday, and that was still so. I think he had some probably the most promising attempts at goal. he had some nice little tricks up his sleeve, um, but he was kind of um, on his own and he didn't really, we weren't getting much support for Gregory up front. Uh, Bannon occasionally ventured forward. Um, I thought uh, on the left-hand side, it was really quiet. Uh, Gregory is also not the striker for this game and that became clear very quickly. Yeah, yeah. He, he got he got isolated a lot. It's a great call, Patty, because he was working hard, but... You know, and, and so got isolated as well. And so did Corbino, who, aside from that horrible chest thing that he <laughs> didn't do anything with, I thought he was solid, but we ended up with exactly what we were talking about. The three most forward players, when they had the ball, were very isolated. Can, can I also say on, on, on Corbino, um look, I don't, I'm not here to chastise people to, or players for speaking or, or not speaking to the media or anything like that. And I know the the way it's handled in, in English soccer is very different than it is in American sports. And I, I, I you know, does it really make a difference if a more senior player comes out and gives the same exact canned, we need to be better quotes than Theo Corbinow? No, but they should probably still do it, right? What like, do you mean? Is your argument that he sh- he should have been on media duty or? Yes, they should have put a senior player out there okay. for media duty. Not not the nineteen year old that came in as a sub. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if do they choose it in advance or they choose it afterwards. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I don't know either. But um, my other positive was that I thought we looked really great in those pink kits. They really popped. They really <laughs> oh. popped. They really popped in those uh, that Devon sunshine. Still, that wasn't when you were over. I thought it my cane this week. It's great. I love it. Fits great. I I love it on individuals. I love it on the players looking like Instagram models posing before the season. I love it on Jeff and Patty not looking like Instagram models posing with the shirts. When I still maintain, I was absolutely right about my ten pigs in a traffic cone. And I didn't even fucking wear the orange kit in net. So no, I thought it was horrible, and I think that's the reason we lost three to nothing. <sighs> 
kind of find their own plays in that game. My thumbs up is I didn't have to watch the second half because I had to take my dog to the vet because she has uh, vestibular issues. Oh, God. How is she? Tough when that's a positive. <laughs> she's fine, and was. I didn't have to watch the second half. <laughs> Thank God she's all right. You, you didn't miss anything, Jack. I, I put the Actually, baby down for a nap uh, in between. She watched most of the first half with me. I went up there, and the dog was just hanging out. I'm like, oh, do you want to come down and go out? And she got up and like was all off balance and like with her head tilting. And I'm like, oh, great. So then we went to the vet. I didn't have to watch Wednesday. And she's was fine. Was anything to do with the match? Was, it, was she watching the match with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's usually idio- it's idiopathic in older dogs. They don't know what causes it. To be fair, I, I think the second half, we were better. Um, so sure. you, uh, we had a much better control of the ball. I thought Bannon tried to do a lot more with it. Um, there's, there was some good chances for us. Uh, bizarrely, the, probably the best chance fell to Bannon's head. And I was trying to think <laughs> of the last time Bannon headed the ball. I can't remember Bannon he- ever heading the ball. Maybe he actively avoided it to avoid the hair plugs falling out, but I haven't, can't remember ever getting ahead of the ball. Anyway, it went wide. And then the other chance I can remember just doing was a scramble from a corner, which I think it was a wing, I think, that forced a save from somebody through a crowd. And it, then... hit, it hit their fucking keeper in the head. Yeah, you just kind of like... Drilled them in the head. Kind of reacted yeah, to I it. Yeah, know. And... And, and then, yeah, no, we, we had... But it was too little, too late. It was just too little, too late. And again, those those substitutions were fine. But the problem was you were you were putting players into roughly the same system. I thought when that first sub came in at the half, um, and and he switched Johnson back a little bit. I thought we were going to see matching them up with a three-five-two ourselves, which surprised me because Moore hasn't really done that. But that is one way to counter um, in opposition formation and tactics is is to match them, and um, that just really didn't work for us. You know, we we just we just didn't have Moore's game plan was. He had no ability to change it when it wasn't working. Right, Ryan Lowe rolled the dice a little bit in that he opened up his back three to the ability to counterattack. But instead of us going for the quick counters, lumping it long, bypassing the midfield, or trying to get behind their wingbacks, we tried to play it out. We tried to play it through the middle, and we we don't have the you know cohesion yet, perhaps, or you know I I don't think it's a talent issue i think we have the talent but um it just it, it did not work and, well, that, and there really wasn't much of a change that plays into my thumbs down um so i have a question justin you did the plymouth preview a couple of weeks ago <laughs> um were you surprised with the way i mean i know that Lowe said he was going to change things up some this season but was there anything that, that surprised you in the way they played no, that's... So what did well, we do for the I, last than, two weeks? So 100%, right? I think that we probably assumed that they were going to play a passive game. Well, and, and we would be able I to know, control I know the ball like a lot of teams have, play, have like sat back, but not every team in the league is going to do that. You know, this is a team that plays an attacking, high-pressing style. There are teams in this league, like, you know, Oxford is going to play a high-tempo style. Like they're, They have to be able to respond. Like they just went out there and they set up with their... You know, they're four two three one or they're four three three, whatever you want to call it, with Lee Gregory leading like and like whatever, Lee Gregory's gonna be a good striker at this level, but yeah, it's just you know, well, start, it's like there was there was no Patterson who dropped Patterson who and dropped back and like drag players with him is a little more physical against the press as well. 
there, there was no backup plan. No, like, yeah, we, no. we had the idea that we were going to be able to control the ball and do our 4-2-3-1 mm-hmm. because Plymouth has this year played more conservatively. Their shots are way down this year. They're like all their numbers are down. They're but, playing more conservatively. I, I, but you we, have to be prepared for them to unleash that. But we they, weren't. I'm sure Ryan Lowe watched tape of them struggling with Rotherham's press. Yeah. And decided well, to again, just play the same way at home. Yeah. Plan. Let's yeah. have a backup plan. And we did. We really but, Well, did. maybe the backup plan was as an era, or maybe it was the plan A, but you got a knock in the last the, the lead up to it, right? So I mean, I think with that idea on the pitch, it would have been slightly better. I don't think we've been overrun you know, much of the midfield. Him and Luongo like, would have been would have been the best. Yeah, this game cried out for Luongo. Those but... two being, you know, the back two, right? <clears throat> it does show to me that we uh, we thought we had a, a wealth of talent. Yeah, I, I'm sure he's like we do. He's looking at it as they're getting close to halftime. Like, oh, we can just make it to halftime down one nil and make adjustments after and it just you know they had a lapse at the back and it just was like watching a 2019 to 2021 wednesday championship game except they're in league one now so this shouldn't still be happening i mean i just feel like the it shows that we have quite a lot of similarities in our midfield center midfields mm-hmm. and without luongo and adoniran <clears throat> both buyers wing and bannon um, I mean that that, that is similar. a midfield three that will probably dominate most games in this league. But no, but not if they play like that. Not if, right, like if the yeah. Plymouth play like that. If, if, if the opposition play like the high press, they're not strong enough to mm. win the ball back, and put the foot on it, and slow things down, and calm everyone down and right. think that play. Right. I mean the difference is Bannon does a bunch of step overs and whatever it doesn't really go anywhere, and <clears> that's fine. And like Adoniran will just go at the guy and win a foul. Like Bannon's not going to win a foul in that or spot Luongo, and leave Luongo the pressure of the Wongo, yeah. I mean, maybe that is the situation where they should have had a double pivot, you know, instead yeah. of... And they've been successful having buyers as, as the lone sort of uh, defensive midfielder and moving the ball up, but we, we, we weren't able to move the ball through the middle because of things they did, and that just freaked us out. I mean, you see more talking with his coaches on the sideline all game. Yeah. They're up there, they're watching, they're always commenting, they're seeing things. And Jeff, you're probably right. They probably just said, Jesus, let's make it till halftime before we make these yeah. wholesale changes. Where again, we sort of looked like three at the back at times in the second half. And we did fill the middle more to try to control the midfield. But you've got to be able they to were, make changes they were before a tight walk, a tightrope way before. It could have been 4-0 by half. It could have been 3-0. Yeah, 4-0. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Jeff, you're exactly right. What the fuck were you doing for two weeks if you didn't have a backup plan? That's, you know, I'm, I'm still on board. I think that was a, a bad game. I think it might have even been right. just a yeah, bad you, matchup. You can go back and look at Morricom where they just absolutely All dominated bad. the game and, like, that happens. But this is a little bit, you know, this is a team that's going to be competing for the same playoff and automatic promotion spots that you are. And, yes, it was on the road on one of those long trip on one of those narrow league one pitches and everything else but you know they got great the crowd pitch. right they, they great atmosphere like, they by far look like, like the second best team on the pitch yes and that's the question is is this something that as you pointed out jeff is this something where there's now a blueprint for how to right. stop us or i mean a lot of teams just like probably aren't going to be able to execute this as well as plymouth are but Good there call. several are many but, are right enough are possibly and, and that's and that's my worry is are we going to be able to and this is one thing that Darren Moore hasn't been forced to do yet. Uh, granted, he was he spent what six weeks last year just 
holding on um, and the beginning of this year, putting together 14, 15 new players and trying to implement a system. But as this incredibly long season moves along, I, they've got to show the ability to be tactically flexible and, and recognizing, you know, having that tactical analysis and flexibility during a game. You can't just fucking wait for halftime. You've got to be able to make adjustments 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in when you see the way things are going. When the other team subs, you've got to say, what does this mean now? I see I need to make a sub or an adjustment and, you know, shout it out to the team. Um, I, I, I'm still very hopeful. I'm still very optimistic. I think talent-wise, we're one of the better teams in the league. We've got depth at every position. We've got, uh, you know, some really quality players. I, I think that this was a bad day and some things to learn from, but it, it – you know, I, I think for all of us that we're on, uh, basically, I think HMS pissed the league has sunk, and uh, uh, it's time to I mean, it's buckle too, it's, in and get ready for a League One yeah. grind. It's two losses a row uh, in a row in the league, and you can't really sugarcoat that anyway. No matter the situation, and the situation not in this last league. one was not good. Yeah. No, not in this league. All right, we'll move to the Wednesday news. We do not, no more no more transfers. The transfer window is over. But Wednesday have extended Ryan Galvin. They've actually signed a promising youth player before his contract has run out. So making progress on that front, at least. Uh, he's also extended his loan through January, I believe. Uh, Charles Hagen joins something called Hampton and Richmond. Patty, some help here. Yeah, well, they've got an Apple TV series about it, right? The Greyhounds. Ted Lasso. He's going to work to Lasso. Uh, go Greyhounds. Uh, good luck with Charles Hagen on the Apple TV uh, network. Speaking of Wednesday players at Lower League Sides, Alex Hunt, he scored a uh, last-minute winner on a free kick for Grimsby Town and then got a standing ovation this week. So going well. <clears throat> I can't yeah, think I mean, of the last... Everyone like, has... saw on social media... Well, this is the thing, right? Yeah. Go ahead. So you were supposed to be the last uh, lone e play well. We could we could have done a whole news update uh, this week about our loanees mm-hmm. uh, and the star have done playing well. Cameron yeah, Dawson, uh, one player of the month. Yeah, we yeah. could have done a whole th- thing about what they're doing now <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because we actually got people playing for other clubs, which is yeah. never heard of in the last six or seven years. I was just trying to think um, of the last Wednesday Loney, uh, Loney to Wednesday that would have gotten a standing ovation because it's like literally Michael Antonio. Alex, this is going to be the world. Aiden, Aiden McKitty. <laughs> Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've got some good Loneys for ourselves. Not so many that's gone out. Um, this is going to be the making for Alex Hunt. He'll have a great season at Grimsby. Come back like a. They've already called him the Iniesta of uh, the National League, whatever they call him. Uh, and that goal he scored to win the game 4-3 was brilliant. Apparently, he had, a, he had a man of the match performance on Tuesday where he just pulled the strings for the entire game, got an assist, uh, and then got standing innovation. So he's he's doing great, and that's what we need from uh, our loanies. And that, but that's what he needed. He needed yes. to get out of, especially the championship, which is filled with a bunch of old, large, violent British <laughs> men who just want to hurt you. And that's not, Alex Hunt is not quite ready. Are you saying the National League is not full of old, yeah, violent say, English Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Patty, they're slow. Yeah, they're, I was going to say, they're not as fast as Alex Hunt is, yes. 
So, no, this is wonderful. I mean, I don't know what this means for the whole Dawson Wildsmith debate. It's interesting. Did Wednesday send out Dawson because they think he has the better future, so get him reps? Or did they keep Wildsmith because they think that it's it? But it's it's great to see. And I think Hagen will be successful at that level. Um, uh, would they send out Waldock, too? He's He's got a loan to a... a conference side like that's a kid who's shown some spark let's let's get him regular playing time these guys are all 19 20 21 years old uh throw them in the fire let them you know play every week and let's see if they're going to be league one caliber players or championship players going forward and and i think that will depend on you know how we treat them coming back Liam Waldock signed for Gainsborough Trinity, which sounds like a U.S. soccer team in the 1990s. Sounds like a college. <laughs> well, or some like, New England it, prep school in the yeah, woods. Yeah, it does. I mean, there's only Trinity College in Hartford. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, some of these players, you know, may not be up to the standard for Wednesday in League One or the championship, but they'll get first-team experience. And, look, you can sell them for a little bit of a fee moving on. Like, I don't, You're not going to get a ton of money for... A player going down to League Two, maybe, but we've been letting these players go on freeze and whatnot. You know, every little bit helps balancing the books. Yeah, or yeah, just not signing them, right? Yeah. <laughs> letting them go. I mean, I don't know what Exeter would give us for Cameron Dawson. I'm not suggesting we sell him, but I'm right. pretty sure they'd sell one of their four stands to keep him right now. So <laughs> uh, we're doing Derby County news, Patty. Is that thing we're doing? I just thought it was interesting news. It was very slow uh, news week, actually, Wednesday, so I thought we were going to uh, Darby's plight. Uh, is, is that official, by the way? I went and looked at standings online, and they hadn't reflected that. Not official yet. It's just a uh, respected journalist has said that they uh, have heard that the EFL and Darby have agreed to a deduction of nine points this season and a three points suspended. Uh, I assume it would have been enforced the season afterwards. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's uh, less than we got initially, but we got reduced to six points afterwards. Maybe they'll appeal it and they'll get reduced again, but we'll see what happens. It was different charges to us, though. And they've been better this year than than certainly I thought, or a lot of people. They're, they're sitting on seven points, so that minus two will, will bury them. But, you know, like us last year, there's an opportunity to come back from it. Um, we'll see if they have the... Uh, and I mean this in the most non-sexist way, uh, the balls to uh, come back from that, you know, the fortitude. Do they even have 11 first-team players yet? <laughs> they've been doing very well with it. I saw that, yeah, they've, they've actually uh, been pretty decent recently, so. Yeah, they're in lower mid-table. Yeah, no, you know, you just have to get uh, seven, seven points this time of year. As we're well aware, the the you just have to get oh, some geez. results in the championship to stay up. Not to sidetrack too much, but Chris Hutton's going to get fired. That's crazy. I thought he was a great hire for them. That's yeah, the life as a championship, championship manager. manager. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> or you know, living in a dumpster that may get lit on fire. Yeah. Well, that's uh, nothing good. <laughs> I was worried that you had Patty up for that, and you certainly had. Uh, we will stick with Patty because we have some uh, engagement panel news. Engagement panel news. Remember that? Um, so 
this engagement panel, like everyone forgot, which most of the people in the Isles of America's WhatsApp group did, uh, was set up as uh, by the club as a kind of invite to fan groups and to individuals to uh, engage with the, uh, the club on important matters. So bring uh, fan press issues to the fore and discuss them and find solutions for them. Uh, and the news this week, it's not been very positive, unfortunately, is that the SWFC Trust, Sports Trust, uh, will no longer be part of the engagement panel. Um, and a few people have been asking why I was going on. The Trust have uh, put a statement out on the website, uh, very detailed, by all means, go and look at that. I just wanted to kind of uh, give my opinion on, on why I think they're no longer going to be part of the engagement panel going forward and what went wrong uh, from the initial period. Very quickly, um, the Trust, I think, um, again, this is my own opinion, not the panel's opinion. Uh, very careful here. Um, the Trust, I believe, uh, have a very good uh, agenda uh, and uh, are fighting for uh, accountability from the club. Okay, And I, I use the word fighting quite um, uh, purposefully because the way they go about things is very aggressive. In some respects, I, I find it quite negative. What I think the engagement panel was set up to do was to build a relationship with the club between the fans and the club to progress issues that the fans have. Um, we can't build a relationship uh, with the club if there's a member of that panel actively um, uh, being aggressive towards the club. And it reflects badly on the entire panel, I, we, well, I thought. Um, it, relationships broke down and it's become irreparable, essentially. They were putting out uh, messages to their members, uh, saying things that were going poorly in the panel, that they didn't believe it was democratic, uh, without consulting us. Uh, they <laughs> often said things before minutes were published, which was not part of the um, uh, agreement in the panel. So we just got to a state where we thought we weren't progressing with the club as a panel, um, and the club thought that the trust weren't acting in this in the right kind of uh, attitude uh, as an engagement panel so they decided that to split them off so the panel will be one entity that will work with the club and hopefully build a good relationship and the trust will continue to work with their members uh, best interests at heart uh, that's as simple as it goes it's just I, I think the trust is needed right so i think even though i don't agree with the way they go about things sometimes Someone like the trust is needed to hold a club accountable. Uh, it's why it's worked in other clubs too. They go about things very um, aggressively in an illegal manner. So they word everything very legally. They clearly have some people in the team that have legal backgrounds. Uh, that's not how we wanted to work with the club as an engagement. We wanted to be fans and we wanted to engage with them on fan things. Uh, and we wanted to represent the fan groups that we do. So Isles America is represented in Isles America's fan base. There's a uh, under 22-year-old, there's a 70-year-old, all representing this different cross-generation and cross-functional kind of uh, uh, graphics of a, of a Shadow Wednesday fan. The Trust have their agenda, and they'll go about their agenda the way they have been doing, but just not part of the engagement panel. It's as simple as that. It was a, a kind of conflict of attitudes and interests that just didn't work. So that's it. Uh, the gauge panel will hopefully reconvene soon because this has been kind of dominating the proceedings for the last two months. 
Um, but if you still remember the trust, speak to them, make sure your opinions being represented. I'm sure they'll still get things done. It's just that they need to do a little bit, uh, in my opinion, they need to be a little bit more, uh, less legal and threatening and more engaging. <laughs> no, Patty, I, that's brilliant. Uh, I, I'm a member of the trust uh, when, when they first, you know, put out their information and said, hey, here's what we want to do. I immediately cut a check and signed up. I'm very proud to do it because we need representation as fans. But I'm with you. It reminds me a little bit of in my work. Sometimes there'll be conflicts between parents and school district. And, you know, you can approach that many different ways. Um, and but you see the parents who immediately the very first meeting show up with a lawyer. And you kind of go, oh, this is what we're doing, you know, and it's a very, you know, it can be a very aggressive thing. Like, yes, you want to be legal and you want to cover your bounds, but engagement is uh, a key word for interaction between two people in a positive manner. And when you're bringing somebody who's going to start harping on the legalese, that, that's mm -hmm. not engagement. Um, so I'll continue to be a member of the uh, Supporters Trust. And, and I'm glad, Patty, that, you know, you, you continue to promote that because it is very important. But I, I'm with you. I, I hope that, you know, they're a little less adversarial with the club. This is not a club that needs drama around it <laughs> at any point in the last, oh, I don't know. 154 years or whatever it's been. Well, we will go for some fan engagement of our own. Now, another of the under 22s. I didn't know that was a thing, but we, we will talk with one of the youths who, for some reason, has decided to support Sheffield Wednesday after this. Well, we don't want to spend the entire show talking about Sheffield Wednesday, at least not recent Sheffield Wednesday games, certainly. So for our second segment, we are bringing back How I Became a Wednesdayite. We have found a new American fan. It's getting harder in the last couple of seasons to find new ones, but we have uh, in the DC Metroplex. It's Liam. Liam, we always ask the same question to open this segment. It's the name of the segment. How did you become a Wednesdayite? Uh, it's fairly simple, to be honest. Um, one of my best friends in high school was a huge Arsenal fan. And that was the only one they were like, competing with Leicester for the league. And you know, Mesut Ozil was running a menace across the Premier League. And then uh, Wednesday, were playing them, um, uh, I believe, in the EFL Cup in the 2016 season. And that was the game where we absolutely smashed them 3-0. Ross Wallace went down the wing. Um, Lucas Zhao was getting in the action. I think, I think that was during his full season. And so it was kind of fun just to kind of banter with them about, hey, you lost to this this championship team, like Sheffield Wednesday. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of kept up with them. And, like, over time, it just become sort of into this love, you know, love-hate affair at this point. Um, but, you know, the passion the passion is there, which, whichever way in the spectrum it is. Were you into soccer before that game, Liam? Was it just... Uh... Yeah. So I grew up um, a Manchester United fan. Um, the first ever soccer game I ever saw was the 2010 United City game where Rooney scored the overhead kick in like the 88th minute. Um, at that point, it's kind of hard not to have, you know, Wayne Rooney memorabilia all across your room. Um, but I was big into that. Um, 
you know, it's one of those things where I, I think I was a casual for most of my middle school and then high school. And then kind of like my junior, senior year of high school um, is when I really became you know, passionate and followed it super closely. That's great. So, I mean, as far as picking a, um, a team, you really picked as uh, our most recent Zenith. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, clearly you had a very good first season. Um, so you followed us to the playoff final, I assume, you watched the playoff final? Uh, sadly, yes. The 80th minute was not something I remember kindly. Great. So is your Arsenal fan friend, um, uh, as he said, watched some games with you? Have you got anyone to watch the games with yet? Yeah, so every once in a while, uh, usually whenever they're on ESPN Plus, um, I'll put it on my computer and then like hook up the HDMI and uh, we'll kind of watch it um, during the weekends. I think I got them to sit down. I think we played them in either the FA or the EFL Cup a few years ago, Sheffield United. I think it was the last Steel City Derby. Um, I think it ended nil-nil. Um, I, I, I you know, sat them all down and made them watch that. And you know, we'll play FIFA now and I'll, I'll, There'll be Arsenal or something, and I'll, I'll roll up with Sheffield Wednesday and kind of embarrass them if I can. That was that was a league game. That was a game Daniel Pudil was forced into center back and then just fucking dominated as much as one could when we were under siege for the whole time. But yeah, that was a nil nil in the league. That was an ugly season win against them. Mm. Yeah, yeah the the nil- Oval, I think we got thrashed like four two as well. Yeah, the, the nil nil was the better of the two games that season. Yeah. Which is saying something. Yeah, we hear <laughs> a lot of injuries. Poodle, poodle I don't think they had a single like great. actual scoring chance to like the 88th minute or something. And then like, Adam Reach fluffed it, which happened a lot that year too. I was at the infamous 4-2 game. I was one of the ones bouncing. And they'll live it down. It's, it's PTSD. We're taking this conversation in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Liam. <laughs> so that clearly, so clearly you, like I said, you joined at the kind of one of the recent heights. Um you stuck with us for for your sins. Um, so, out of the last like six, seven years, you still play. Um, who you said is your favorite player we've had in the, in the books at those times? Um, I think the player that's at least given me like the best highlights has been Adam Reach because he is a player who will ever give you like a three point five match rating, or he'll be nominated for goal of the season. Um, so, like <laughs> that goal against uh, Aston Villa, like it's overshadowed. Because there was a bell goal about 15 minutes later by a Villa player. Um, all his free kick against. That was off, that was off McGinn's shin. Reach's yeah, goal was better. He meant shinner. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought we were hard done by. But yeah, Reach's goal way better. Um, but then my, I think the, my ultimate favorite player is Adhi Nuhu. Um, anytime you can see a 6 7 Kosovian running across the pitch, it's hard not to fall in love. Uh, good stuff. Bless you. I really do. It's such an interesting perspective coming from uh, a fan that started following us during that season. Um, you haven't had the the torment of uh, uh, relegation uh, previously. Um, so, how was relegation for you um, last year? Uh, and like, it, it's, it must be like so. With in America, we don't get promotion relegation. And obviously, you obviously fan of soccer, so you're aware of it. Uh, how does it feel as like a, a new fan of Wednesday to see us get relegated? Uh, believe it or not, I took it as like a breath of fresh air. I think staying up another season would have been detrimental to the club because that means we would have kept guys around like Adam Reach, like Kadeem Harris, um, kind of kept those overpaid guys because we have to feel like we have to, you know, stay up. I think you know this this transfer window bringing in what was it, sixteen new players. 
um darren mole you know though it's you know it's the honeymoon period it's on the fade um i think it's really good i think you know as a club we stand better now than we did eight months ago i think the chairman chancery is really like this has been a wake-up call to him that you just can't keep throwing money on strikers and things are going to work out um you know i've seen like you know the ticket prices have been better structured i think the players we bring in are better long term we're actually loaning out players now and giving those youth players minutes instead of just letting them ride in the U21s. I think it's been like a really sad but a needed breath of fresh air. It's a good positive way to look at it. Well, we had a, yeah, we had a we had a lot of talk about that. I think the universal decision was if we go down and are able to hit a reset button, make some changes in the way we operate, then it's a very positive thing. And yet, there still existed, or maybe still exists, that. You know, they, they have not made all the changes they need to make. And, uh, you know, we, frighteningly, we could get lower, although I'm, I'm with you. I, I kind of think we've got a, a nice reset piece moving forward. So I've gone from the favorite player. Um, who's your most uh, frustrating Wednesday player of the time you've watched them? Oh, that's that's, that's such a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, since you said you were going to try to steer this back to a positive direction, you asked like the two most. Uh, I know. Sad I just questions. Kind of, I, I like. I'm so. I'm so intrigued by a new fan's opinion on, uh, <laughs> on what frustration is a Wednesday fan. I mean, I feel like we're so embittered. Uh, yeah. Have you got an answer for that? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it has to be Jordan Rhodes, <laughs> right? And I know he's a favorite of the podcast, and um, but it, it, it was. <laughs> he was a favorite. <laughs> the uh, enthusiasm waned somewhat towards the last couple of years. Because when, when I became a fan, I was like, oh, here's this big money signing from a proven struggle who's going to get goals. And then it just continually didn't happen. But then he would go through like months, like a month or two every season where like, oh, hey, here we go. He's finally picking it up. Here we go. I said, especially like last season. And it looked like he was going to drag us up like by himself. Uh, I think during the April run or March run where he had a game-winning goal against, I believe it was Bournemouth. Um, and it was like, here we go. Like, Jordan Rose is going to keep us up. And then he didn't. And then, you know, and it's it's kind of the, the continuous false hope of Jordan Rhodes actually becoming a true number nine. Yeah, I think uh, we all share that, um, <laughs> that disappointment and frustration. Right, so you're still at college, uh, Liam, uh, in Northern Virginia, right? Yeah, so I'm going to Northern Virginia Community College. Um, before that, I was going to a small, like, private school named Bridgewater College, right next to JMU in Harrisonburg. Uh, you're involved with the soccer league there, right? What, what do you do for those guys? Yeah, so currently, I am the social media manager um, for Nova FC. They are currently in the fourth tier of UF Soccer and USL League Two. Um, they also have a women's team competing in the second tier of women's soccer. Um, and then, like, we have a first game this Saturday of the new season in the uh, U.S. Open Cup. Um, and that's exciting. Um, and then I'm also the chairman of our team is also a like one of the chairmen for the EPSL, Eastern Premier League Soccer League. Um, and they're trying to start a promotion relegation lower league um, for amateur soccer, which has been really cool. So I am, like, the social media marketing for our conference only which is the Mid-Atlantic. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Awesome, sounds good. So uh, 
living in DC. Have you brought up in DC too? No. So I, it's been a weird 22 years. So I was born in the DC area. Um, and then I was like nine months old, moved to San Francisco, was there for about two, three years, then moved to the Pittsburgh area, was there for seven to eight years, then moved to the Orlando, like central Florida area for another two years, then moved to the Richmond area, was there for another two years, and then started my high school, um, I was from 15, I moved back up to the Nova area, and I've been here since. Good man. So uh, I was gonna, I was gonna try and from DC. Uh, if you, if you have any connections to John Harks, I do, I do. So, <laughs> my... you do? Everyone does, right? DC. Oh yeah, no. I mean, he just hangs around on the pubs. He's a <laughs> friendly face. Yeah. So my one of my friends in high school actually um, lives. He's his neighbor, um, and so his daughter, uh, she actually played for um, Nova FC, the club I do social media for. She signed with a pro team in Denmark. Uh, the name stuck in my mind. Um, but yeah, so I've been like, I, I think I've driven by by him once or twice. Um, but he, ever since he uh, has his manager in North Carolina, it's been a few sightseeing. All right. Well, I, I'm, it's good to know someone that uh, can uh, track down John Harts if we ever need him, uh, if he's back in D.C. So, uh, what, What's your obligation uh, that's uh, kind of prospects for the season kind of your outlook for this season uh, what do you think is going to happen with the, as far as Sheffield Wednesday this season do you think we're going to get promoted do you think we'll finish playoffs do you think we'll uh, uh, finish outside the playoffs what do you reckon I think with the squad that we have I think it's going to be hard to envision this team not making the playoffs um, I think especially when we get guys like Josh Mendes back once guys like Barino, um, you know kind of get into the squad regularly once Show Depot is match ready I think the attacking prowess we have is second to none in the league. I think at each position group, we have maybe the best player in the league. When you look up top, Barino and Wendas should be clear of any other striker. Bannon could be playing, you know, for a bomb tier Premier League team if he truly wanted to. Um, Peacock Farrell, though, his mistakes of the last two games have been kind of what you guys are alluding to with him coming, coming out of his box um, and being bold. He has been unbelievably class only for us but only also Northern Ireland and the international break and then you know big Dominic Iofa I mean that guy's a Rolls Royce of a center back if I've ever seen one yeah that's good man uh I think I have to agree but uh like I say hopefully it's just a just a little uh, wonky trip on the road to success the last couple of games but we can't win them all can we well I think it's it's I think Dan Moore and I think it's hard when you have that many new signings is still trying to find out his best 11 not only is best 11, but I think more like the identity of what his Sheffield Wednesday will look like. Um, is he going to be, you know, playing out of the back? Do we have the facilities for that? Do we trust, you know, Dom to consistently pass out of the back? Um, or maybe if you have, it's going to be a three in the back with Liam Palmer sliding in, you know, shout out Liam Palmer, love the guy. Um, is he going to slide into the center back? I think there's a lot of questions on them. Like, um, there's more like philosophy moving forward. Is he going to bring over and like do consistently what he did at Doncaster, which was working when he was in League One? So I think there's a lot of question marks that Darren Moore has to really answer over the next coming months. Well, this was uh, more optimistic than, optimistic than the first half of the show, at least. Uh, <laughs> that's good. It's a nice, uh, nice breath of fresh air. Uh, Liam, I know you are trying to get together in the general DC area. 
to watch some of these games in League One. So we did want to put out a call to the DC, the DMV area owls to, you know, get in contact with, you know, with us through the site or with Liam and uh, try to get some meetups. So the more meetups we can, we can get together, the better. We are there, you know, they're playing games again. So we try to, try to go the group. And if we can get, the, if we can get the youths, that's always, that's always a plus. They don't know that aren't maybe as cynical as the three grizzled old alcoholics that usually host this show. So. <laughs> but right, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Liam. Cheers, bud. Now it is time to preview the Shrewsbury Town game, and I say the same four words I say every week. Take it away, Justin. Love it. Uh, Jeff, Shrewsbury Town. Two, two quick things before we get into them. Mm-hmm. One, what do you think their nickname is? So I was going I I to bring documents. this up because I actually have it open. I haven't read it, but it is on. It's in one of my tabs. <laughs> oh, I know this. I was disappointed because we've had like the Cod Army and we've had the Shrimps. But now we just have, it's just the Shrews. It's the Shrews. Like, come on. The Shrewsberry Shrews. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, second thing, Patty, I was kind of hoping James would be on so we could get into this as well. But please tell me, it's my understanding there is a big debate in England on how to say this word. Is it Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? Mm. I wouldn't say it's a big debate still. But um, uh, yes, I, I have heard both pronunciations of Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury. I've always said Shrewsbury. Um, Thank but, you. So yeah. you're correct, Patty. Thank you. Well, the Shrews were uh, formed so wouldn't in it be the Shrews then? It, but it's not the it's not, it's not the shrews it's the shrews yeah. Yeah. it's the shrews i'm sorry uh, derby darby fuck off mm. uh so the shrews were to their utmost credit founded in 1886 um i mean that that's an old club mm-hmm. right uh they are the only club from uh and patty maybe you can tell us a little more again could have used some james uh the shropshire did i pronounce that correctly Shropshire. Shropshire. Very good. So Shropshire is this Western county in England running right up against the Welsh border. Uh, They're the only Shropshire team to ever make it into the professional football league. Uh, But apparently there is a 130 year old Shropshire County Championship tournament that goes on every year. Uh, The Shrews, as they were, have won 67 of those. So. Just one in two. One in two years they win the cup. They are easily the biggest club in that count. Is the entire, Uh, like, bowels of the stadium just a trophy case? (laughs) No, seriously, 67 of them. Jesus. Bigger honor boards than our neighbors across the city, huh? This going on Uh, now? This this, this cup still a modern thing, or is that an old thing? No, it's still going. It's a 130-year-old competition. I mean, that's got to be one of the oldest competitions. It's still running. I'm gonna look. Uh, I never very, heard this very thing impressive. You, I'm trying to you find, I don't think it's gonna the, have a Wikipedia page, but I'm gonna see what I can I, do. It, I'm gonna tell you it does. So why don't you guys do your wiki thing and mm-hmm. I'll let everybody know that uh Shrewsbury finally joined the football league professional ranks in nineteen fifty. They've basically been a third to fourth division team. They peaked in the eighties. Uh, they had about three or four years where they were mid table, uh what we would now call the championship back then, the second division side. Uh, they got relegated out of the professional football league uh, for a few years, but are back up. A um, couple interesting things about them. 
they have as ex-players, and there was a longer list than this, but uh, Nigel Pearson, Gary Megson, and David Moyes, and David Cleet, for that matter, all played for Shrewsbury at one point. Considering this is a fairly minor side, that's a nice collection of talents come through and a couple guys with some legitimate Wednesday connection. Although, granted, if you look at that list, uh, Pearson, Megson, and Moyes are probably all better as managers than players. Um and, and then the other thing, they we are all time. We have played uh, Shrewsbury 21 times. We've only won three times. These guys own our ass. So uh, the good news with regards to that is that they are not good this year. They have one win, uh, one draw, and five losses. They are a minus seven in goal difference, three goals, four, ten against. They opened the season losing four straight, uh, actually losing uh, three to nothing at Plymouth, which sounds familiar. They managed to beat Gillingham in a game where they had a red card and Gillingham had two. So that must have been a shit show. Um, we haven't really gotten they, one of those League One games, right? You know it's coming at some point. And it, oh, God, it's the totally two, coming at some point. Yeah. It's, it's, crew, it's crew on a Tuesday night in mm. January. That's... That's that game that's going to happen. Um, but so this is a team that their manager is Steve Cottero, who should sound familiar because he's managed like 11 Everywhere, clubs. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's been up and down. So Cottero has traditionally gone with a 3-5-2, and he kind of tried to wedge that into Shrewsbury, and they just don't have the team for it. And from what I read and kind of researched, the last couple weeks – They've switched to, and I saw conflicting reports. Some some people said it was a four three three, others a three four three. Um, I, I think it kind of it's probably one of those things where the four at the back defending and three at the back when they're moving forward. Um, they really like getting the ball forward. They like holding the ball, getting the ball forward, crossing it in. Um, the three five two wasn't working for them because their wing backs were usually too far back or out too far wide to get balls in to Sam Cosgrove. Sam Cosgrove is a 24-year-old loney from Birmingham. I feel like we saw him at some point in the last couple of years because I recognize the name. He's a 6'4 striker. He's got two of their three goals this year. Um, you know, he's just a, a big, lumpy Englishman who, you know, is going to make it happen at this level. Um, they're very aggressive without the ball. A lot of tackles, a lot of fouls. Um I think they're going to come after us. I, I'm hoping, I'm thinking and hoping that uh, we're just too much for them, especially um, at Hillsborough with hopefully a good crowd. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've had a game at home. Hopefully a good crowd to, to cheer us on. This doesn't necessarily seem, even though they're a 3-5-2 who's kind of aggressive, they just don't seem to have the talent to be able to do what, say, Plymouth did to us. So I, I I think we should be able to move the ball around. We should be able to get our fullbacks up the field with some pressure and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, put a few goals past this team that's been shipping them all year. All right. That's enough of that because I have some Shropshire Senior Cup, which is the name of the tournament, information for you. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. So tournament. Shrewsbury Town has dominated this competition, but they are in a bit of a drought. They've only won it uh, three times this decade, and they have not won it since 2018, 2019. The last two teams to win it are uh, Witchchurch Alport in 2019-2020 and Shifnal Town last year. Shifnal? Uh, Shifnal, yes. 
They compete in the Midland Premier League division after got, getting promoted from the West Midlands Regional League. Because I've got, I've gone through this now, and it's mm-hmm. led me down to a real big frigging hole in the FA system. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was regional FAs, uh, which seems very naive and ignorant, I assume. Mm-hmm. But so this is managed by the Shropshire FA, right? Yeah. Is it only for non-league teams? Is that why so, Shropshire no. were no? No. Uh, they're just the only. They're the only team that's actually made it to the EFL. When do they? See, play, when do they say that? Though? You say that, Justin. But I would argue they are not the most notable team in this tournament because it also includes the New Saints FC from the Welsh Premier League, who have been regular <laughs> competitors in Europe, both in the Europa League and the Championship League, over the last two decades. Uh, Jeff, you go ahead and, and talk about the Welsh League. That's uh, <laughs> just not. You went on a different hole than I did. Hmm. I ended up with the West They played 33 FA. games in the UEFA Champions League. They have lost 20 of them. I don't think they've ever actually made... Let's see if they've actually made the group stage. Uh, when do they play okay. the Shropshire Cup? I'm confused. Surely they don't play it during the league season. So uh, That is a great question. That's why I think it's for non-league people only because they wouldn't play it during the NFL season. No, but Shrewsbury plays in it every year. Right. People, rather than us going through a, a, a K-hole uh, on this... So they have never weird. actually made the group stage. They did get to the third round of qualifying in the U- U- UEFA Europa Conference League qualifiers, but lost on penalties to Victoria Plitzen. All three of us are talking about different things at the same time. <laughs> I love, I love this fucking podcast. It's the best. Uh, it's the best. Just cut it, cut it, cut it now before we go even deeper. Mm. If you know about county cups, oh, email us. Wh- we haven't got fucking one, Oh, excellent point. One more thing. I love, 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 uh, and I'm talking to two Mets fans. Love, love, love the uh, Shrewsbury uh, kit and colors. Ooh, very, what is very it? fun to see. Is it blue and orange? Oh, it's it's blue on orange, blue Ooh. on orange. Oh, it's excellent. Um, oh, they they made a really nice run in the FA Cup a couple of years ago. They back to back years. I think one might have been the uh, League Cup, but but they made decent runs uh, beyond their means with some upsets the last few years. But most of that talent has since moved along. Um, there was blue and yellow, just not blue and orange. They're also runners-up in the uh, Checker Trade, now Papa John's <laughs> Trophy, in 2018. And uh, they lost Jeff, to Lincoln City. They lost now. to Lincoln City. Very good. I have I have literally have the 2018 EFL Trophy Final Wikipedia page up on my phone right now. Yep, and that call. seems like a good place to probably end the show. But do we have any other business? <laughs> Yes, we do, Jeffrey. Um, I thought I'd give a, a text to my friend Jamie, see if the the New Orleans group are doing okay after the uh, hurricane hit. Uh, a few of them left uh, to take cover in neighboring states. Uh, the good news is that the power's back on in most areas of New Orleans now. Uh, only minimal damage to some homes, but nothing major. And they are back at Finn McCool's Saturday oh. morning uh, to watch the Shrewsbury Township Wednesday game. I mean... If that's not the spirit of New Orleans, I don't know what is. Uh, back in the pub. Drinking at 10 a.m., <laughs> 9 a.m. Jamie, there. you're a fucking legend, Jamie. You're a fucking legend. So much love. I mean, I was keeping touch with Tim as well in the New Orleans group too, and uh, Ness, who is his partner. Uh, great guys. Um, have a wonderful Saturday. You deserve it. Uh, 
also they'll be watching wednesday so how wonderful can it be (laughs) yeah at least in new orleans and it won't be that's true it's hard not to have a good time there Um, also, movie set this weekend is New York, obviously, and uh, get in touch with us if you're in DC, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier on, Liam and uh, a few others in DC are around. So, that's it, I think. All right, then. This has been episode 148 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are my fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Uh, Justin, the listeners did not hear the context for this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How did the hockey sticks work out? Uh, well, I can't score goals. I'm not a bad <laughs> hockey player, but I cannot score goals. So, you know, and the passing's fine and all that. But, mm. uh, I, I will say this, I have used that company again and I have, uh, I have bought more sticks from them. So, and, and it is, unfortunately guys, we're, we're going to hit, we're hitting hockey season right now. So, uh, I'm coaching two teams and my son's playing on a third team. So, my weekend availability could be a little ugly. I may be watching games at like Sunday night at seven thirty. You know, thank God for I follow. Well, then they can't ruin your weekend if it's already Sunday at seven thirty. At least, so. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you are a beautiful man. Thank you for pointing that out. Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls. Patty, I think some people have the context for this. How's the new house working out? It's going great, and you know what? I haven't paid four thousand three hundred dollars for a new door. <laughs> It's an well, honest I mean, you store. paid a lot more for the house, I assume, and it just came to the door. <laughs> that was the context of hockey sticks. Just paid four thousand three hundred dollars for a new door. Uh, I'm on Twitter Might even at be a Pat Nostro, <laughs> and I will talk about my door when it shows up in sixteen to twenty weeks. <laughs>